Okay, this morning I'm going to speak about a, <clears throat> a certain individual. Uh, today it's going to be about a certain individual, and then on Thursday it'll be in about another individual, if I can still see clearly that day. <laughs> but at any rate, the first one that I want to talk about, we're going to read here, and we'll read this. First, we'll, we'll read in Colossians 4 and verse 14, and then in Philemon. Or Philemon as some would like to say in, in, in uh, verse 24. But here in Colossians, in verse 4, and these pages are getting so worn. Okay. Okay, so Colossians chapter 4 and verse 14, it says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphus in the church which is in his house. Notice that the church was in his house. Again, and so we go to Philemon and we see this and verse 24. Well, it says in verse 23, These salute you, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. Notice that? Paul had a fellow prisoner. His name was Epaphras. And he was, uh, again, a fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. Notice that? They were in Christ Jesus. They were in prison because they were in Christ Jesus. Then verse... Verse 24 says, Marcus, Aristarchus, and Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. So we're seeing that these group of men here, there are two that are in prison, and then these others, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, and Lucas, are fellow laborers. They're still laboring with Paul while Paul and Epaphras are in prison. Then we turn to 2 Timothy in the fourth chapter, 2 Timothy 4. Verse 9, it says this, and he's speaking to these precious men. He said, do your diligence to come shortly unto me in, in this prison, for Demas has forsaken me. Notice that. He, he said, he has forsaken me, and the reason is given, having loved this present world and is departed, is departed. And, and then it says unto Thessaloniki, which is where he was a native, he, he was actually from there. And then Crescens to Galatia, Titus until, unto Dalmatia. And they, they, were two, they were these three faithful men that were going forward, led by Jesus Christ through the Apostle Paul. Demas here, this is what his name means, and this is very interesting what this name means here in the Greek. Demas, it literally means popular. A man who wants to be popular. Notice that? And then, with that popularity, be a ruler of the people. To rule over people. Now, we, we read... Again, in Colossians, in Colossians 4 and verse 14 and Philemon, uh, verse 24, that D Demas was a companion of Paul. The fellow labor of Paul during his first imprisonment. But the, but the scripture has recorded, it's very interesting, 
the scripture has recorded his name. Names in the Bible always speak of character. It's inward character. It's the inward man. But this is what the Holy Spirit has recorded about Demas and his character. And this is what he is. It's the man who forsook his friend. He forsook his friend. We know that a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. And Paul obviously was in adversity. And we, knew, we know the scriptures in Proverbs 17 and verse 17. And then in Proverbs 18, verse 24, it says a man... You know, a man, really what the Hebrew says, a man, you know, that, uh, you know, what it talks about is if he has a plethora of friends, are they really friends? When you read it in the original, Proverbs 18, verse 24, but there are few. If a man has a few friends, just a few, he's very, very rich. But a man that has friends, it says, must show himself friendly. And of course, the intimate friend that each of us have is Jesus Christ. And when we function in him, we're going to be a friend of those that are also, the, that Christ has made those others to be friends of himself residing in them. And so a man that has friends really must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticks closer, listen, than a brother. That's why I always like to refer to men at this in this time of the church that we are in, this dispensation of the church, I don't think it's necessarily an age as it is a dispensation and there's a difference and we, we don't want to go into that right now. That there are there is a friend, it says, and a depth of intimacy that's closer than a brother. That's why I don't refer to others as, and it's fine if others do them fine, I'm not coming against them, but brother, a brother so-and-so, or a brother and and the fact is, the Bible makes it clear. There's a, what we have in Christ is closer than a brother. It's even closer than that. There's, there's a love in the Scriptures in 2 Samuel 1 and verse 26. It's a love, it says, that even passes a woman. And, and Not that you love them more, but that because you're an initiator, you're going to receive love to give to women that they can respond to. And we have to remember how careful we must be around women, especially those in the church that are Christ. We need to be so very careful in our conduct and our behavior because they constantly receive. And God forbid that it should be anything other than Christ. But this man was known, Demas was man as the, known who was the man who forsook his friend. Now, there's an indication of that, even in Philippians 2 and verse 20, where he was a fellow laborer with Paul, but Paul had discernment, not judgment, not condemnation, but he had discernment on him. When he said in, in Philippians 2 and verse 20, he said, I have no man like-minded, notice that, no man like-minded who will naturally and really, in this sense, is supernatural, uh, the life that we have in Christ. Care for your sake. When we live for ourselves, it's obviously Christ is no longer our friend, <laughs> our intimate, intimate love life that is closer than a brother. It's closer than that. And I think that's also why, too, when 
in, in Matthew, the 12th chapter, and by the time you get to the 50th verse, and then in Luke, the 8th chapter, and in 20 and 21, when you see those verses that, that Jesus was saying, that he was using this as an opportunity because his mother and his brother were searching for him, and he was without. He was, he was around a, a bunch of individuals that were receiving the word, looking, gazing at his person and receiving from him. And at this point, his mother and brother were from without. And of course, he loved them, but he used it as an occasion to say, listen, I'll tell you who my mother and my brethren truly are. They that hear the word of God and treasure it up. They treasure me up as the treasure in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, in them as vessels. And so he, in that sense, he separated himself from all natural family relationships and if I live for myself, there'll be something of the natural that will be an attraction for myself and something that I can get to, to another who's in the natural. But this, these scriptures really, Philippians 2 verse 20 brings out that there was an indication, obviously Demas, and as we know, he went back to Thessalonica because that's where he was. He went back to everything in the old associations. He went back. He was someone that Paul did not fully trust. He didn't judge him. He didn't condemn him. But he didn't fully trust him, even when he was near Paul, even when he was near him. He forsook Paul. What, why? Because Paul could see without, listen, and discernment comes from brokenness, and there is no judgment, accusation, or condemnation, but there is discernment. And Paul discerned in Demas as close as he was to him as a believer, he still loved things about this present world system that was under the influence and sway of Satan. He saw it. He knew it. And that's what it ultimately led to him forsaking Paul, really forsaking Christ in himself first, Demas, and then forsaking Paul in Christ, of which there is no separation, and which there can't be positionally, but certainly experientially, as we, as the Holy Spirit's been bringing out through, through the posts and the word that He's been giving us, all of us, but He loved this present world, and in in this way we say, there's a sketch. God is sketching the character of Demas from the few, very few references in the Bible that bring out that character. He wasn't functioning in the character of who He was in Christ. He was functioning. And under the influence of the enemy, who again would bring out a wrong character, a wrong image, based upon not love, because there's always lust. Lust is always in competition with love. The old man in me, in the flesh, is always in competition with the new me in Christ. And there's where the battle constantly is in the thought life in our thought life, to affect our experience as believers because the enemy in 1 John 5, 18, B, he cannot touch our position, so he will go after our experience. Now, before the Demas had met Paul, you, you, there's a, you can do a sketch and, and, and study him. You can see that he, he, was, he was an agreeable man, young. And first I want to make this clear, he was young. He was a very young man very young. And he didn't have any particular vice. There wasn't any outward really evil 
or any wicked vice that was attached to him. Outwardly, he was this agreeable young man, outwardly. There was nothing that you would look at him and say, he's a bad person, he has bad character, or he's functioning in evil. You wouldn't see that. You wouldn't see that if you looked at him by sight and if you didn't understand him without brokenness and discernment, of which, again, discernment only flows through a will that's been broken and has been attached to Christ, where there's never any condemnation or accusation, but plenty of discernment, and out of that comes a proper counsel and proper teaching to those that have a willing ear to hear and a willing mind to submit. But he came under, and this is what can happen even in local assemblies, he came under the strong influence of Paul's personality or his walk with Christ. He came under his strong influence. He did. And Damas was like this, you know, he was like this soft piece of iron, so to speak, that was temporarily magnetized towards Paul. Like a magnet. And so he was becoming beginning, I should say, to be a disciple, beginning to be a disciple. And he was carried away by the emotional enthusiasm of sacrifice. And I want to make that clear. We live by the mind of truth, not the emotions of truth. And this is very, very important for us. This goes into what would be called worship and singing, songs and worship. People get caught up into the emotions of truth. And, and, and when you do that, then you leave the mind of Christ in yourself experientially. It's no longer him. It's what you feel you're giving to him. We must remember that in Matthew 20, 28 and Mark 10 and verse 45, that Jesus Christ came not to be ministered unto. Oh, if we could only understand that. Do we think that we minister to him with our works? When he's finished the works and it's his works that we're to walk in in Ephesians 2.10? No. It's so easy to leave the mind of Christ, the teaching, knowledge, and then bring in natural emotions to indicate what we believe that that truth is. It's very, very important. To understand this. So he came under the strong influence of Paul's personality. He got carried away by the enthusiasm or the emotions of truth in terms of sacrifice. He wanted to live with Paul and die with him. He did. He wanted to have a throne. He's very young. Listen, keep that in mind. Very young. He wanted to have a throne. And he wanted to have the halo of the martyred saints. <laughs> he had that in his emotions, in his enthusiasm. And we need to be so very, very careful because the enemy will use, not the mind of truth, he can't, but he will use the emotions of truth to promote us to a place where we haven't even reached yet. You know, always... Our eyes, our perception of truth, go far further than our actual walk in it. Always. And that's why we need to be so careful, especially in our youth, 
in our youth. And so what do we see? Well, Demas came up to that great capital, this is Rome, of the then known world. And he came in company with the Lord's prisoners, Paul and Epaphras. We just read those. Paul and Epaphras. And it became a different story with Demas. You see, he was not a prisoner. He wasn't a prisoner. Paul and Epaphras was. He, he was a prisoner. They were a prisoner. He was not. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 3.1 and, and, and Ephesians 4.1, he said, I'm no longer a prisoner of the enemy, Satan. No longer a prisoner of sin. In John 8, verse 34, no longer that, no longer captive by Satan's will, using that to oppose me and, and thinking and then blaming God in 2 Timothy 2, verse 25. But now I've, my will has been captured. Now I'm a prisoner of the Lord, no longer of Satan, no longer of the lusts of the flesh, no longer a prisoner in any of those things. No, I've been set free. I am a prisoner, a prisoner captured by love. I'm more than a conqueror in Romans 8, verse 37. His love has captured me, and that's my position. And now I'm to walk in love. In Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. But see, the world began to draw on those areas where, that, with, that were never dealt with in Demas. Do you see? You see, Paul could not be Christ to Demas. He couldn't. He had to have his own personal, individual relationship with Jesus Christ because that's the only thing that will last. And that it is that thing that, that Christ died for, to have an intimate relationship with us, to bring us into the place of having not only him, obviously, as huge as it is, but bringing with him a father in John 20 and verse 17. Having a loving father in Galatians 4, 6 and 7. Having a loving father protecting us and love always protects. Love always has to do with protection. Always. And <clears throat> having this loving father in this beautiful way in Romans 8 and verse 15 so that in verse 16 we're children and that we can function in the true inheritance that we have which is based upon the new nature and new image that we have in the 17th verse of Romans the 8th chapter. So they were prisoners. He was not a prisoner. And gradually there was a contrast being brought out to him. The cell and the outer world became intolerable for him. The outer world, like so many Christians today, so very many, and could happen to any of us if we function in the flesh that's in us, but that we're no longer of in Romans 8 verse 9. It became intolerable, the draw that it had on him. What did he see? He began to see the magnificent halls and beautiful buildings. Listen to that. The beautiful buildings of, of the Caesars. He began to see the gorgeous homes of the rich. And the glitter, uh, listen to this, of a world of music. A world of music. 
He began to have venal loves. And we're going to see these words very shortly. Venal loves. He began to love the jest and the frivolity of the world and those that functioned in it and the wine that they took in. I'm going to go over a few of these things as God was convicting me with this truth. And conviction, it means, it means that not necessarily that you are, you may and be living in these things and God will convict you with his love so you won't be condemned in 1 Corinthians 11, 31 and 32, so that we won't be. But also conviction has to do with his anticipative love and his prevenient grace. It's always speaking of protection. Conviction, love, always speaks of protection. I know how we need to do that as men, initiators, especially with our wives. And if we can't do it in the home, we wouldn't be able to do it anywhere else. And if I'm not in control of myself in the home, with what I watch and how I speak, then what, is, what does the wife have to receive? And then what makes me think that I could even lead anywhere else? Well, the fact of the matter is, here, again, there was a world, he was getting affected by the world, worldly music. I want us to see in Genesis, the fourth chapter, and I'm going to read that. In Genesis, the fourth chapter here, we're going to see some things here. And where proper, proper worship is, proper worship always and only, even entering into music, has to do solely with the person of Jesus Christ and the work that he has finished alone, period. That goes into proper worship in music. It doesn't have a thing to do with self. Here is Genesis 4 and verse 16. It says, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. And he dwelt in the land of Nod, the land of wandering in the world system, on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife. She conceived and bare Enoch, bore him Enoch, and he built a city. We've been taught over the years here that this is the world system. This is the beginning of the world system, which was built upon the murder and crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It had, it had happened in type that Abel brought, that brought out him, the murderer from the beginning in John 8, 44, which was Satan. The thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy in John 10, 10, verse A, and, and A part of that verse. <clears throat> So they went out and they built, you go out of the presence of the Lord. The moment that the Christian goes out from the presence of the Lord, and again, Cain definitely was not born again. He refused that sacrifice. We see that in the fourth chapter in those first nine verses, which led to him murdering, not wanting anything to do with it. We just see simply Satan being re, trying to rebuild himself in the false image, in those that aren't of Christ. We see that in Isaiah 14, 9 to, to 16 and to 17, the five eye wells. He built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. And Enoch was born 
and unto Enoch was born Arad, and and Arad begat Mahuzael, and Mahuzael begot Methusael, and Methusael begot Lamech. And Lamech took unto him two wives. <laughs> and never the lust the lusts of patterns, he can never have enough. Polygamy is now introduced. Many partners, which is rampant today and far worse than this, took unto him two wives. The name of one was Adah, the other was Zillah. And Adah bare Jabal, and he was the father of such as dwell in tents and have cattle. This has to do with money. Cattle had to do with money. I'm going to make that clear, money. And that's why you can't serve God and mammon, which is money, in Matthew 6 and verse 24. Verse 21 of Genesis 4. And his brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of all such as handle the harp and the organ. Music. But is it music from the presence and worship of God? No. It is the worship of self. It is the worship of self. Listen, folks, this not only goes into the lyrics, but it absolutely goes into the particular beats of that particular music. There's absolutely no question about that. And, and Zilla, she also bore Tubalcane. He was an instructor, an inventor of every artifice in brass and iron. Again, musical instruments and weapons also. And the sister of Tubalcain was Naama. And Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. If Cain will be avenged seventyfold, truly Lamech seventy and 70-fold. See, it just reproduces. The world system reproduces the murder and, and desire of extinction of Christ being revealed. This is the present world system, men, that we are in right now. And Jesus was in the world in John 17 and verse 14, but he was not of it. And neither are we in John 17 and verse 16. We are not of this world. Men and women don't dress like the world. They don't dress like that. They dress modestly, very modestly. We shouldn't have any trouble with the truth of that. This is what was attracting. Here, we see very clearly here in the scriptures here, this is what was pulling on those lust patterns that hadn't been yet crucified in Galatians 5 and verse 24. They that are Christ have crucified the, the lusts and affections of the flesh. They don't go back to them any longer. And when they do temporarily and shockingly in 1 John 2, 1 and 2, they name it, confess it in 1 John 1, 9. But there has to be a clear, clean break from those things. Otherwise, young people especially and old people that function in the youth of their flesh are going to go right back to those particular things in an instant heartbeat. The instant I'm not going forward is the instant I go back. Maybe haven't performed the act, but instantly I go back in my thought life. 
instantly, and it's like lightning. Luke 10, 18, Jesus saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. That's how quick he attacks with thoughts when we're not going forward. That's how quickly. I can preach a most awesome message, and in an instant, if I'm not going forward, and this is with the key to, to youth and to growth, instantly the enemy can come in and separate me, not from my position, but in my thought life from Christ. The area that I am deceived is the area not that I'm going to be humble in. I'm not already humble. In other words, the area that I'm not humble, it's not that I'm going to be deceived. I already am deceived, which means I'm functioning under the prince and power of the air where I was delivered in Ephesians 2, 1 through 4. I was delivered from him. All that music that he heard, Demas, in the world, he views Paul and Epaphras, they're in this dungeon in prison. And then he's looking at Rome and looking at the world system. He sees it again, these magnificent places. And believe me, a lot of those places were, they did have to do with worship, emperor worship, and the phallic cult. Look that up, the phallic cult, these sexual desires. They were magnificent buildings. Beautiful halls of the Caesars. Gorgeous homes of the rich. The glitter, again, of the world and its music. It's music. It's worship, by the way. Venal loves. Venal. Let me show, let me, I looked up that word venal. It's not one that I use all the time. Venal loves, lusts. See, because it's either God and, his, and love and being loved by him, or there's an empty vacuum in the experience that's not his love, then it's lust, and lust sucks in all these venal things. What does venal mean? He gave place to venal lusts. What does venal mean? It means willing to sell one's influence. I could be a preacher. And in a second, I can sell it out for something of myself in an instant. And if it's not love, it's lust. It cannot be both in an instant. Willing to sell one's influence. You know, Proverbs 23, 23 says, Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and understanding. That's what it says. It means especially... It being influenced, especially in return for a bribe or a temptation. The enemy tempts. See, that was good. But don't you need this thing too? Like you can serve two masters. Again, in Matthew 6 and verse 24. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be, your whole inward man be. In, in Matthew 6 and verse 21, if your eye be single, Christ, your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eye be evil, your whole body will, will be filled with darkness. And then in verse 23, it says this, if the light be in you, be darkness. Who's that? That's the angel of light in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14. And he wants you now in exchange and bribery to get you away from Christ to bribe you to be his man to teach others. Because we know, we know that 
We know that by this truth. I'll read this scripture here. Many of these, by the grace of God, we can quote other times. God, the Holy Spirit, will lead us to read them. Here is 1 Corinthians 15, 33. This is what Demas was. Stop being deceived. Don't be deceived. Evil companions corrupt good manners. It wins every single time. Because you face, you may have these truths even as a young people, but boy, who you get around and who you spend time with is crystal clear. Listen, this is why fellowship has to do with Christ at all times. And, and when are we not one with him? When do we take time off to go here, go here, there, to watch this thing, to watch this other thing? No. Don't do it. It wins every single time. You can take all that truth that God's given you and the moment you hang around with someone that doesn't have it or doesn't think that that's an evil, that wins every time. You don't believe me? Read Romans 7, 18 and 21. I will to do good, but when I do, evil's present with me. Yeah, that's because you don't belong with it. In Proverbs 13, 20, read it. And in the, in the A part of Jeremiah 5 and verse 5, get to... Get to the men of God. Follow those that follow him in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1. Follow those that follow Christ, period. Notice that? So, vino means willing to sell one's influence, like this. Especially in return for a bribe or a temptation, then you become a mercenary. You know what a mercenary was, right? He fought for anyone where he could get gain. He wasn't on anyone's side. He was on his own side. That's what the enemy wants. He wants you on his side. That's right. Purchased, listen, venal, this is what it means. Purchased by a briber, a temptation, and now associated with the briber, the tempter. We know that God never tempts us with evil. In James 1 and verse 13, you can read the rest of that chapter there and watch the flow of it. He never tempts us with evil. And then they, he gets that believer, like he did Demas, to function in, in the lusts of his flesh. And what were those? What do we have in the flesh that we were taken out of positionally, but that we can go back to and experience? All these lust patterns and these ingrained habits that have been ingrained and have been ingrained in the old, of which we are no longer, but boy, we can go back to them. And that's why obedience is, has to do with love. Love has, is in the will, and it's a choice. We make choices. We, there's never any excuse, or God does not excuse sin. Thank God we can confess it in 1 John 1, 9. And forsake it. Forsake it. In Proverbs 28, 13, and 14, around in, in those particular verses there, to forsake it and, and experience the mercy that's ours. Those patterns of behavior that have been so ingrained into us that we could never get victory over and that we will go back to in a second when we're not going forward. He had those, those gorgeous homes, the glitter of the world, the glitter of the world's music, venal lusts, jest. What do I mean by that? This is what it is. Watch what we have here. 
Watch what we have. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verse one, it says, be you therefore followers of God. As what? As dearly beloved children. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Here's verse 3. Can a Christian live in fornication? Outwardly, yes. Sexually, yes. But here's spiritually. Spiritual fornication. In all uncleanness. That's just not sexual sins or perversion. That's anything that's not of Christ and not of the purity of who he is as that life that he is in us is what? It's unclean. Thoughts, a thought. You know, I thought of this recently. It happens to be a man that I know very well and love. And one of his, his, favorite, verse, his favorite verses are in Lamentations 3 and verse 22. And 23, you know, his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. We have no idea. I had no idea until God made it clear to me the mercy that he has on me. You know, even one single thought that this is one thought that we will so easily speed bump and go right over that doesn't have to do with the purity of his son is the most evil thing in his sight. We, the, the mercies that we have, thank God for his anticipative love and his prevenient grace. That passive grace that we don't deserve, hopefully through making right choices and understanding proper truth about who we are in Christ with him in us, we, we can enter into the middle voice of the grace. We can now begin to participate with the very grace of God as he's the treasure of Christ in us in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. It's on, because his compassions fail not, we're not consumed. I mean, one bad thought, one. God is so holy, rigidly, unchangingly holy. One little thought, we would be consumed. But we have a merciful, great and high priest. We see that in Hebrews 3 verse 1. We see it in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, and starting verse 14 right through verse 16 to the end of that chapter. Thank God that we have him who's dealt with all of that. And so all of this was, was what was coming against, coming against Demas. Those dazzling halls. Notice that? The dazzling halls of Rome. That wretched, music-haunted, listen to this, scented, dazzling halls of Rome. Scented. Scented. Oh, boy. And then the Holy Spirit said, turn, and he was speaking to me with great counsel in my own life. He said, turn to Jeremiah 48 and verse 11. Turn there and look what it says. In verse 10, it says, cursed be he that does the work of the Lord deceitfully. Notice that deceitfully. And really, negligently, it says. You neglect it. You forget him. It's negligent to do it. And cursed be he that keeps back his sword from blood. Telling the truth. Telling the truth in someone, but because of their natural life, you don't dare say anything. Because you're protecting yourself, not them. Not my family. Not my wife. I'm protecting myself. 
whatever motivates me to do or go anywhere or do anything. Verse 11, Moab has been at ease from his youth. Notice that? I want everything easy. I want truth easy. Christians, I just want truth easy. I want it all to be easy and comfortable. I don't want to be moved. I don't want to be challenged. I don't want to be responsible and accountable. Especially in these last most evil days that we are in. No, I want to settle down in this evil, evil, rotten, filthy world system. Moab is a type of the flesh. Type of the flesh that's in us in Romans 8, 9 that we're not of. It was one of Israel's worst enemies. It's our worst enemy. It's been dealt with, but we can function in it. The lie of it in John 8, verse 44. Moab has been at ease from his youth. He has settled on his lees. Notice that? He settled on his lees. Here's the word lees in the Hebrew. So I studied it this morning. It is shamer. S-H-E-M-E-R, and it means this, something preserved. Something preserved. That's what Demas, that's what the flesh, something preserved, kept back for the lust of the flesh and the self-life. Something preserved. Remember, Peter followed him in Matthew 26, 58. He followed Christ through all his trials. He had six different trials, our Lord did, by the way with brutal beatings in between. He followed him afar off, it says, in Matthew 26, 58, on a hill. That hill was called self-preservation. He could only go so far. He would only go so far. And, it, and this is what it is. Something preserved. And it's from the Hebrew word shamar. S-H-A-M-A-R. Shamar. And it means to guard, to protect, to attend to, and to save. In other words, it's something that I can hide and protect these selfish areas of the fleshly, lustful self-life. I keep them back, and I certainly don't want anyone to see them. Although in Psalm 90 and verse 8, we, our sin is, we, is in the light of his countenance. His lees. He settled on his lees. He settled down in the world on his lees. And as a result, he's not been emptied from vessel to vessel. The great, you know, we've said before in John 10, 10b, or 10, 10a, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Christ said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. We all have this life individually, each of us. We all live by our own choices by our own wills. I can't make anyone live after Christ. I can't make, and none of us can't make uh, any of us receive the love of Christ. That has something that he did personally that has to do with a personal will that he never violates. Again, with that foolish, evil teaching, God never violates. And evil's never attributed to our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, ever. Ever. Settled on his lees. And he hasn't been emptied. You know, Proverbs 11, verse 25 says, the liberal soul will be made fat. That means he's just increased with Christ so much. And it says, he, he that waters others will be watered himself. Isn't that interesting? That's the abundant life. We have this life, but now it's abundant. It's abundant. It's the height of freedom. 
free to be a slave to him, no longer to the fleshly, evil, natural self-life and all of its preservation and selfishness. And has not been emptied from vessel to vessel. Again, here it is. For, and it says this. I'm going to read the rest of Jeremiah 48, 11. Moab has been, at his ease, has been at ease from his youth and he's he settled on his lees. He's not been emptied from vessel to vessel. Neither has he gone into captivity. That captivity. He's not captive by love. If you're not, you're captive by a lust. You can be sure of that. I can be sure of that. I am sure of it. Therefore, his taste remains. His taste, he stands in the same place without change experientially. His taste remains in him. Why? Because he did not taste and see that Christ was pure goodness. In Psalm 34, verse 8, the reason was there was no humility in him. And in Psalm 34, and verse 2, the humble will hear thereof submit and be glad. The humble. Not been emptied from vessel to vessel. Not been emptied from vessel to vessel. Therefore, his taste remains in him. His taste remains in him. That same old taste. And his scent is not changed. Continually feeding on the old lust patterns. I, I witnessed this in my own life. Not as much as I used to, thank God. But I, I see it in others in, in the most intense way. And guess what? It says this. It says this. That, that taste remains. They keep going back. God, why do I keep doing this? Oh, I can't do anything about it. I go back and I hate the taste, yet I keep going back. Why? And the taste remains. What? The taste in him remains and his scent is not changed. You need to have the scent changed. What appeals to us? What appeals to us? Proverbs 24 verse 21 says, Meddle not with them that are given to change. That means you can be with someone and love them deeply. Without judging them, you do not have to participate when they function in the flesh. Furthermore, the best thing you probably could do, and you need to be led by God, you can see that in Galatians 6, 1 to 4, and not, make sure it's not your flesh, in my flesh. The best thing you could do is make, make that known to them in love and say, I love you, but I, I'm not participating in that. It's the best thing you could do for them when you do it, when you're led by the best, and that's Jesus Christ. Well, his scent is not changed. That's why we need to be careful about who we're with. Now, we're talking about youth. Demas was very, very young. He was very young. He knew. He began to know scriptures. But were they his experience yet? Were they? And that can be extremely dangerous. It can be very, 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 very dangerous. So here we are, and I'm going to turn here to a few scriptures here. In Ecclesiastes 3, well, I'll go to Ecclesiastes, well, let me, let me go here. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 1 says this, Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth, the teaching that you get and that you receive. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. While the evil days come not, 
Meaning, God gives us truth, not to just deal with the past, to keep us safe in the present, but to, to be, be ready for the evil that's coming against me as an individual, and you as an individual. Again, remember, while the evil days come not, nor the years, oh, how many aren't taught? How many, how many, their taste doesn't change, their scent remains. They keep going back to the same things, the same destructive patterns. The years draw nigh, years of it, and I've seen it. Years draw nigh when you will say, oh, I don't have any pleasure in them, but I still keep going back. I don't have any pleasure in them. Well, remember your creator in the days of your youth, while the evil days have not yet come upon you. In Ephesians 5 and verse 16, redeem the time, young people. Redeem the time. Old, and people that are old that still have areas of youth in them, youthful lust, they haven't fleed yet. You can be 80 and live in youthful lust in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 22. When you will say, I don't have any pleasure, but I can't get victory over them. The further you get away, not that he will leave you, but the further you get away from him in your experience and mine, the harder it is to get back to him. It's not impossible, but it's going to take intense humility. Intense humility. To separate us from all these things that Demas never in his youth ever got separated from. Remember that your creator in the, days of you, in the days of your youth when you finally say, I don't have any pleasure in those. I don't. Redeeming the time in Ephesians 5 and verse 16 because the days are poneros, evil and in in intense opposition to the divine good that's in me, Christ in me, that I can submit to, to the Holy Spirit because the days are evil. Redeem it. That starts in our own life. It's not what we do for others. It's not what that's talking about. It's not. It's how I function as an individual. That's why it's either that, functioning in poneros, infectious evil, that it's an active opposition to God's divine good, Christ in me, or walking in love, in Ephesians 5 and verse 2, and not lust. I either walk in love or lust, one of the two. One is my master. Or the other. Can't have two. Cannot have two. Remember them. When you will say, I have no pleasure, but I still can't. I saw it recently. People stuck. Going back to what they hated, but that's all they knew. And the enemy convinced them that's it. You're not going any further than this. Why? Their taste hasn't changed. They've been feeding on the wrong thing. We need to feed on Christ. Feast on him. You see that in John 6. Verse 30, all, uh, verse 30, all the way to verse 58, to feed on him constantly, to feed on him, having a proper diet. And then we see here again in Hosea, and we're going to wrap this up in this next six minutes. In Hosea, we read this again, Hosea 14. Hosea 14. Verse 7, it says this, They that dwell under his shadow will return. Oof. He always has the, there's always a way open. He's made a way open for us when we functioned in these, even if it was yesterday or in habits of years. 
He always makes a way for us to return by way of promise. In 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20, they're all yea and amen in Christ. But we abide under his shadow, not the shadow without substance, but the, but the substance of that shadow that's in us, that substance that casts that shadow in James 1 and verse 17, every good gift, that's Christ, and every complete gift, that's Christ, comes down from the Father of lights, he came down, with whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning, not a degree, ever does he change that's the view of the Father in the substance of who Christ has made us to be in himself ever changes. Ever. Stays the same. Stays the same until we see him face to face. And so as we begin to, to, to close this this morning, it says they will dwell. This is again, he's speaking to Israel ultimately during millennial reign, but we can garner truth from this, of ours that we have in Christ. It says they will revive as the corn, and will grow. They'll blossom as the vine. Area where you and I may have thought that it was dead and over. I can begin to hear the truth. And the truth begins to set me free. In John 8, 32 and 36. And I begin to take in the water of the word. And the sunshine of his love. And I begin to blossom again. When I thought it was over. As the vine and the scent, it says. Notice the scent thereof will be as the wine of Lebanon. And by the way, not this wine, and I do want to make this clear, the wine of the world. Here's the wine of the world, and this is what believers to this moment are struggling with. Why? Their taste hasn't changed. The scent remains the same. I, I smell these things, it brings back my taste, and I go right into it. This is Proverbs 20, verse 1. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. It's hard liquor. And whosoever is deceived thereby, there's no wisdom. None whatsoever. Here is Proverbs 23, and verse 31. Proverbs 23, verse 31 says... Look not you upon the wine when it is red, when it gives its color in the cup, when it moves itself aright. At, la at the last, in verse 32, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. Your eyes will behold strange women. Lust patterns, you can never have enough. I don't care if you're married. I don't care if you say you love your wife. You get loaded. You get overwhelmed with it. You do that. There's no question about it. Your eyes behold strange woman and your heart will utter perverse things. Yea, you will be as he that lies down in the midst of the sea or he as he that lies upon the top of a mast, wavering. They have stricken me, you will say, and I was sick. They've beaten me and I felt it not. When will I awake? Oh, look what happens. I will seek it yet again. I don't have pleasure in it, but because my taste hasn't changed and the scent hasn't, I keep going back. I keep going back, just like Demas. Thank God we're in Christ. So Paul had to write one of the most heartbreaking lines that God the Holy Spirit told him to record in, his, in the epistles of Christ that were given to Paul to write them down. Demas has forsaken me. Having loved this present world, 
This man of wavering impulse and emotions who surrendered the passion of sacrifice and sank in the swirling waters of the world is a true reflection of the thought that where our love is, there we finally are. And God forbid that we don't allow him to love us in every single area and then become vessels of love for others. I will close with these scriptures. I have about a minute. (laughs) This is what for young people and old people that function in young areas of the flesh. This is 1 Timothy. This is 1 Timothy here in the And we'll read 1 Timothy 4. We don't have time to read it all, but 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 says, Now the Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, speaks expressly, clearly, concisely through the Scriptures, that in the latter times which we're in, some will depart from the faith. All those teachings, they'll sell it out in Proverbs 23, 23. And when you do, you give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines that demons teach, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. In Contrast to that, follow it down in the chapter. Look at verse 14 through 16. Neglect not the gift that is in you. Remember we said neglect. Neglect not the gift that was that is in you, which was given you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. They weren't ordaining him. They were realizing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that he had a gift that he was the function in, in Christ, united to Christ. In Ephesians 4, 8 through 11. Meditate upon these things. Meditation means it's not something new. It's something that I have in knowledge and now I meditate. I grow in it. I learn in it. It's like a, like a, like you see sometimes in the, in the shopping centers or the place where they have food, the, the chicken on the rotisserie, it's going around and around and the heat it's, it's going in further and further. Truth is going in further and further. Meditate upon these things. Read Psalm 39, verses 3 and 4. Meditate upon these things. Give yourself, Acts 6, verse 4. Give yourself to prayer and the ministry of the word. Give yourself holy, Romans 12, 1 and 2. To them that your profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto yourself. And unto the teaching, continue in them, for in doing this, you will both deliver yourself experientially, having been delivered once positionally, and them that hear you. Thank you, Lord, for the provision that we have. We thank you and praise you for your precious, precious word this morning. Thank you, Father, that we're in these perilous times in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 1. Thank you for the charge for those that have the gift of a pastor teacher or those that have the gift to share Christ. Have that charge, especially those, to preach the word in 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, and to be instant, ready, in season and out of season, to reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and doctrine. Why? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts will they heap to themselves teachers that will back up those lust patterns. We see it everywhere today, having itching ears. And they will turn away their ears from the truth and will be turned unto fables. But watch you, young people, old people with young ears, watch you in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of the ministry 
that God has given you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.